You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Comedy Cell Live in the Table. We're here with um, Ariel Ashenbrand, uh, Dan Daniel Natterman. Uh, you have no space between your names. There. Daniel Natterman. Uh, we have uh, special guest Peter Goldstein, who is a pharmacist. Correct. Correct. And Susanna Gim, who is a academic nerd. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But you also, what, what, what's, your, what's your profession? I'm, I'm a clinical pharmacist as well. So I have a hospital site and um, my area of expertise is evidence-based medicine. As opposed to non-evidence-based medicine, which Correct. is- Correct, which Ariel's is what we're all practicing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so uh, you work for NYU Langone? Yes. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a patient there, uh, Dr. Lamb. You know Dr. Lamb? Oh, um, no. Is that a specialty area? He's head of, head of men's health. He was on like 50th and uh, Madison. Yeah, actually, I, I go to him too because Noam recommended him, but he's hard to get on the phone. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to be calling your doctor on his cell phone all the time. Well, no, but I'm saying if you do need to get a hold of these people, they're very difficult in this town. Uh, I, usually, I usually email him and I get an email back pretty, pretty promptly, um, but maybe he likes me better. Uh, anyway, so uh, so Peter, so why don't you explain what you you emailed me to correct us on something? What when we invited you on? What was it? So I listen to your show all the time, every week. On, love your podcast, love the cell. I've been there. Everybody's been going crazy about the hydroxychloroquine, and you guys have mentioned it too. The amount of misinformation that's been put out there, it, it just blew me away. It, just going back real quick, there's so many times in my pharmacy career where I, I was screaming out loud that. This isn't right. Something's wrong. Going back to when OxyContin came out, we were um, we being pursued by uh, the drug manufacturer, Purdue Fredericks. Hey, this medication's great. Can't people can't get addicted to it? There's no side effects. And I remember going to a continuing education, and I was got into an argument with the people. I said, "This is oxycodone. It's an addictive drug. It's one of the five most addictive substances known to mankind." And we see where we are. I can't tell you how many patients I had that had problems with it. Going forward to this, um, I guess it was about five weeks ago. I was having lunch at a uh, NYU. I also used to work at uh, Langone as well in the outpatient pharmacy. Gentleman next to me said, hey, you're a pharmacist? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, my wife is too. She owns a pharmacy nearby on Long Island. And we're talking. Everything's going cool. I said, how you guys doing? Is people coming in asking for Corel? Do you have your, everything in stock? And he's like, yeah, I guess, you know, I really don't think this is going to be a big deal. I think it's a hoax. And I looked at him and previous day, there's a writer that I know, a business insider, Lydia Ramsey, and she had a really good piece in there. They got a PowerPoint slide from the American Hospital Association, and this was from back in January. They estimated that there was going to be 94 million cases, worst case scenario, 94 million cases, half a million deaths. So I said, you know... But I go, I, I just read this article. I, I kind of believe it. I, I think we're into something serious. And, uh, you know, this person, they probably have something to gain from it. And I know Lydia Ramsey, who wrote it. She, she's a young girl. She's very honest. She would not put out anything that is, you know, not, not well-researched. That's just who she is. So that turned into a major discrepancy outside of this little 
spot and he started going off, you know, doing a Fox News thing. Well, you know, started going on Hillary Clinton. And I was like, well, I go, I'll talk to you in, in a decent tone, but I'm not going to get into an argument with you about politics over this. This, this looks like it's real. A couple of nights later, uh, I'm walking my dog, one of my neighbors, older gent in his 70s, Vietnam vet, retired cop. And they always ask me about questions about their medications, whatnot. So he goes, hey, Peter, what's the story with this virus thing? It's a hoax, right? I was like, Tom, I go, no, this is not a hoax. This is when people started getting it. People are dying in China. I go, you have to take it seriously, especially you. You're a little bit older. You have some comorbidities. You could be at risk here. Well, 10 days ago, he passed from Corona. Uh, his wife called our house at... Uh, it was a Thursday night. She couldn't even get the gumption up to call an ambulance. He had been sick. He tested negative a couple of times. He was running fevers. It was a two and a half week, just real downward spiral. Ambulance got him to the hospital and, and he passed a few weeks later. Uh, so those, were, fal later. those were false negatives? Correct. Okay, Correct. go ahead. Sorry. Now, so, so it just, seeing all these people going on TV, talk, uh, on social media, you see the number of, uh, People talking about hydroxychloroquine, most of the people can't even pronounce it properly. They, they don't know the chemical structure. They don't know the side effects. They don't know what it's used for. They don't know the mechanism of action. And it, it's just frustrating to see all this misinformation going out there. I was asked to write an opinion piece in Newsday, which was published about three weeks ago, four weeks ago now. And I said, Let, let's just wait, wait for the evidence. And it's kind of going both ways because there was that bad report from the VA where the people died, but they're saying, well, that means there's no role for hydroxychloroquine. Well, that's not true. It, it, this wasn't a great study. They didn't have, it wasn't a, didn't have a control group. And the people that got it, we don't know at what stage of okay, COVID. So can, I, can, I, can I stop you there for a second? Sure. They always say there's no control group, and I don't understand that. We have uh, reams of data to model a control group, don't we? You just take people the same characteristics and you go back and look at how long were they sick, how long before they died, how many went on respirators. Why, why, isn't that, why is that not an, a totally adequate control group? So well, the like issue Dr. is Kim that, I'm sorry, COVID-19 is new. So I mean, from the, last, from the last three months. Right. But in order for there to be a control, that means these patients should not have gotten anything. And but before even, well, no, because by the time they come to us, they're getting hydroxychloroquine. No, I'm saying, I'm saying you, you can take 100 people and give them hydroxychloroquine, and then you can pick out from your data 100 people who were not given hydroxychloroquine, match it up for demographics, age, whatever it is. I mean, I know it's not perfect, but it's unlikely to be way off and see what was, what was the average time that it took these 160-year-olds to recover. And if you see that the 100 people who are taking hydroxychloroquine recover in half the time, Maybe that's not a perfect study for some things, but that's a pretty profound result, no? Even without a randomized control group at the same moment. I, I, what I'm saying is I don't see why going backwards in time and taking data is not the equivalent of, of doing a randomized control group prospectively. Well, it's not equivalent, but what you're describing is kind of like a case control, and we can use historical controls. But what I was trying to explain is that because by the time COVID got to us, um, we were already had ideas about what treatments we should be using. So there were very few patients that were confirmed COVID positive that did not receive other things. So, 
and especially there's different treatment stages, right? So the severity of diseases, you present, you know, just feeling like you have a cold, but we stopped letting people come with just the cold symptoms, right? And we had limitations of the testing. So because of that, by the time patients are coming to the hospital now, they're usually already infected, they've gone through the symptomatic phase, and now they're reaching that critically ill stage. And in the critically ill stage, we're throwing a lot of different treatments at them. And there's, there's no way for us to have a control of people just dying without any treatments now that ha are COVID positive. Right. So, so what you're saying is that you might get a false negative on hydroxychloroquine, meaning that you think it's not working, but the reason is because other things are working. But it, I guess, I mean, you're not totally flying. You have a hundred, how many cases have there been in the, in the, in the world? Over 800,000. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like you, if, if you, if you get, if you do a study with a few hundred people of hydroxychloroquine and you're getting a, an average of half the general average of cases of recovery in the world. It's not, it's not insane to say this is probably something, right? I mean, how else would you explain? Peter, Peter was finishing up uh, something about uh, the study in Virginia with the... Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It might have been leading to where you're going, though. I'm just trying to understand because I, because I hear this a lot. I never understood why... why you need a hundred people, but she, Susanna says something I hadn't thought of, which is there's so many people getting so many other drugs. No, it's a really critical point you just brought up. And, and I'm glad that that's a point that you're hearing a lot of, and it's not making sense to you because to us, like those of us in the field, it makes a lot of sense to us. And we don't think about how we need to explain it better, but basically the issue is the denominator because we don't have enough testing. We don't know how many people have it. So we're not able to track the disease in a timely manner and have an accurate denominator. And without an accurate denominator, um, the only people we're hearing about are the people that are going to end up with a lot of treatments, which makes the data dirty. So- what Noam is saying is say, so, say hypothetically somebody had stage four lung cancer and you gave them this new treatment and it disappeared the next day, but there was no control group. You would still- A hundred people, a hundred people and disappear the next day. Disappear the next day. Even with no control group, you'd still be able to say something is going on here in that situation because the history of stage four lung cancer will tell you that it never just goes away. Correct, and that is exactly why the data we have for cancer is so bad, because we don't need control groups because we have studied it enough to know the progression of disease without any treatment. Whereas with COVID-19, for us, the other issue is that we're in the US, which is different from the treatment options available in the other countries that got it first, which also makes it difficult for us to figure out how to manage it. Our, our comorbidities are also different. Obesity has shown to be a big issue that's contributing to the progression of disease. So that's something that isn't, that's a nice, unique thing to developed countries and especially ours. So is this fair? Is this fair? Will Sylvans, briefly. Hey, Will. Yo, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Hey, uh, something. You guys, um, you guys sent me the email invite all late. <laughs> so I can't. It's not like I, I was busy doing something. I was busy waiting for an email. So you got the email the same time everybody else got the email. Dial up, dial up connections take longer to, to the email to come through. <laughs> uh, so so then so then um, is this fair to say if the if the efficaciousness of hydroxychloroquine is um, uh, is real, but but not profound, you might not be able to, uh, you'd have a lot of trouble drawing conclusions based on how dirty the data is, is your term. But if it, if it was quite profound, if, if it was profound the way penicillin cures strep throat, 
you could probably see that. Yeah, it, it, we would have seen it faster. We would have seen it already. Yeah. So somewhere in between. If it works, it's not, a, it's not a silver bullet. Well, I mean, the added complications are the dosing too. So everyone's using different doses, different durations, different combinations. Those Go ahead, Peter. You wanted to say so I could tell. <laughs> no, that's okay. Sorry, Peter. No, that's right. I give you preference all the time. Uh, <laughs> also, what stage the patients are getting. We, li we like her stage. better, too. Go, go ahead. I, I, <laughs> I wish I was half as smart as Susanna. Uh, the stages that they're getting at, is it early stage? Is it mid-stage? Is it end-stage? And quite honestly, prophylactically, the, the drug is, it suppresses the immune system. All right? That's why people with lupus take it. That's why people with rheumatoid arthritis take it. So why would you want to suppress your immune system if you're healthy? It, that makes no sense. I mean, just on the face of it, that's what made me go crazy. Is it, I have a, is it fair to say that nobody actually knows anything about this disease? Like, it sounds like nobody... That is, that is actually should be number one. Nobody no one knows shit. Well, that's <laughs> correct. Well, well, look, I just saw this other video where this girl who had, who caught corona and she had it, she got sick. She was like, you know, she felt like she was dying. She had it for, and she, and she got over it in 14 days. So she's like, oh, cool. I'm back. I'm good. And then she's like, you know, I could go out and mix and mingle now. Cause I, you know, I, you know, whatever. And it's something in her felt like something was not right. Something she felt like she was still like not over it completely or felt like, it was just still there. So after got getting tested the first time and found out that she had it, she called the doctor up and said, yo, can I get retested? And the doctor go, oh, no, you can't get retested. You already got tested that you, and you got over it, so you're good now. And she said, well, I just want to make sure I don't have it anymore. And so the doctor said, well, let me set you up with a drive-by uh, test, testing. And, you know, you could, but don't tell them you got tested because they won't retest you. So she went and got tested three days later. She has corona again. So the point is, because she was about or still, to... Or still. Yeah. Or still. Probably still. Probably not again. Probably still. Well, she, she, she said she got over all the symptoms. And they, like, she, she had a fever. She had, you know, and then it, went, it all went away, and she was feeling much better. So it was like, it's like, how long does it stay in the system after you recovered from all your symptoms then? They don't know. Just to answer Periel's question about does, does anybody know anything, we know, quite a good, we know quite a lot. And in fact, I know more than most because I have been obsessively uh, reading about this disease. So if you have any questions, you can certainly address <laughs> them to me. But uh, we have learned a lot about the invisible enemy, and there's more to learn. I, I, I have a question for our pharmacy friends. Now, most people, when they, see, when they think of a pharmacist, they think of the guy that's at the cash register at the pharmacy. In other words, they, uh, most people don't realize that you guys actually know some shit. <laughs> that's 100% true. <laughs> you know, it, the thing that got me most upset this year or two years ago, there's an ad on the subways in the city for Capsule Pharmacy. And it said yeah. something to the effect... When was um, the last time you saw your pharmacist or the last time that you missed seeing your pharmacist? And th that's right, use us, Capsule Pharmacy. And I went nuts, and I tell all my students, it, that, that thing, if, if somebody comes into your pharmacy where you're working and they have those sentiments, you should be so pissed off because part of the job of a community pharmacist, which is what I did all my life, 
you have to give the information. You have to be open. You have to educate the patient. It, it's just so important to start a conversation. What, what Dr. Gim does is totally different than what I do, and it's at a whole nother level. Don't call me Dr. Gim. You're oh, well, me. Just... <laughs> well, you're a doctor of pharmacy? Is that, is that, no, Peter, are you a doctor too? Are you a doctor of pharmacy? No, so I got my license back in 1984. Why was it taken away from you? <laughs> we, we can't, we're not going to go into that right now. <laughs> However. He didn't get his license back. It's a joke. 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 I graduated. Back, comma. <laughs> I graduated with a bachelor of science in pharmacy about 20 years ago. They extended it to a six-year program and graduate with a PharmD. So you're considered a doctor. Susanna has gone beyond that. They do what they call a PGY one postgraduate year one residency and a second year of residency in a hospital. So they're working with doctors, uh, doing treatment. Some pharmacists actually can prescribe uh, medications, which is something I, I'm hoping that the governor does right now. There you go. I love it. Wait, don't, wait, <laughs> wait. Go away for a second. Move your head for a second. Who, me? Yeah. Wow, pretty cool. Will, I haven't seen you since the lockdown began. Are you... Uh, Wait, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I want to ask Peter something, because just, just yes, is not related. So let, let's just get someone. through all the questions. So first of all, I had a friend when I was, <laughs> I, I know two pharmacists who've gone to jail for um, distributing drugs, well, obviously. For, so you do know, I. I know more uh, than that, unfortunately. It's very common, right? They get, they, it's very tempting. It's, um, people offer you money, for, and uh, money will corrupt anybody. I mean, it's not, not unique to pharmacy. And, I mean, look at, uh, look at uh, Michael Jackson's uh, doctor. How do, so yeah, uh, that's right. So how how often do you get offered money uh, by people desperate for drugs? I, honestly, I've never been offered that way. I did back in when I had my pharmacy out, out east. Uh, there were people that used to go around, and they would. It was a whole scam. They would buy drugs from Medicaid patients, mostly HIV patients. Uh. They would take their medications. They would give them some money, and then they would go take those medications and sell them to the pharmacies at a lower price than they would normally get it. So there's actually a big scam. It's called Operation Gold Pill. And, 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 there's, uh, and there's undercover uh, scams, for, uh, right? They try to catch you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, in I had, the hospital... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Finish so, and in the hospital, Susanna, uh, how often do drugs disappear? Well, it's a little bit harder in a health system, especially if you have... Um, an issue with it already. So for pharmacy staff, it's not just pharmacists. We have administrators, we have clinical pharmacists, and we have technicians. And it's, I mean, even when I was an intern in a hospital, we would have to do things like sign off. You would have special bagging for the narcotics. It's try to keep it really tight um, in the hospital setting because obviously it's a lot easier to divert in, in a setting that large. Right. Cause, cause I got in trouble. Some hospitals, they have like... Um, like a like a vending machine uh, for the drugs, where you have to put have a card, and the card knows exactly which doctor or nurse pulled out pulled out what drug. Right exactly. now that it's computerized, we do that with everything now. It's not just narcotics. So, but narcotics do did start out um, as being one of the first drugs that were controlled that way. So we had a uh, uh, Periel's friend, the epidemiologist Satish. That his name, Satish, right? And he got, he, I insulted him. I didn't mean to when I said that I, I was, I thought that if they weren't careful with the masks in the hospital, uh, that they would disappear because nurses and doctors, they want to give them to their families, to their friends, you know, they, 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 and I thought of drugs in the hospital. It's like, 
and he he was offended, but I think he was wrong. I, I wasn't knocking doctors; this is human beings, you know. Well, no, in all fairness, you insult a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, Will. But anyway, okay, and and so what? And so and where do you guys? What is your particular? What are your particular wisdoms about the next three, six, eighteen months? What do you see? What do you see for okay. the United States of America? Well, I want to know where Peter thinks we're at with hydroxychloroquine. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, where that's at. Is that, fit, is that uh, completely done or is it still a possibility that it could be of value? Just from everything I read from the studies, if we went from a scale of zero to 100, we're not at zero. There's a possibility it might help with those cytokine storms to help suppress the immune system. There might be a role in that at a certain stage. But if I went from a zero to 100, I would say maybe at about a 15, 20. I think that would be it. I, just today, there was a study came out. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Dr. James Hamblin. He writes for The Atlantic. He's a New York guy. Really interesting. He's uh, well worthwhile to read. Patients that are on Flomax, Tamsoflosin, which are men with uh, benign PBH, enlarged prostate. So that medication helps you urinate better. It increases the um, force of the bladder. And those patients were able to withstand those cytokine storms better than other patients. So it's preliminary. I'm not saying everybody should go pop Flomax, but they're learning so much. You know, you have to use what they call Bayesian logic. You can't just come up with something, say, this drug is going to work, throw it against the wall, and this is what we're going with. You have to look at everything. And as you look at the studies and then, you know, move on forward and learn from what you're all the data that you're getting. And we still need to get a ton of data. We really don't have enough. Well, hey, Will, you, Dr. Will, Dr. Will, Peter Goldstein, what Will, about, what about, Peter. Will, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask Peter a question. Well, just, you had a bruised prostate. Did they prescribe Flomax for that also? <laughs> go ahead, <Yeah>. go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Noam. You, you, you insulted me. This is hot time on the phone. Let me just tell him on Hello? Jesus Christ, you can't phone back. Hey, mate, take a phone call. We'll be back in five minutes. There it is, hot Tim, though, to be fair. Go ahead. Hey, Peter, a.k.a. Dr. Goldstein. I don't know. Wait, so you're not, are you Dr. Goldstein? What about eating healthy? Just plain old eating healthy. The old, old medicine. Just. hundred percent. The best thing you could do for your immune system Get the proper rest, eat right, work out, keep your stress levels low, get the proper amount of sleep. I mean, that and, and social distance, wash your hands. Right now, that is the best thing that, that we have, that we know. You're There's also, right. discussed this on the Comedy Cellar TV show. It was one of the topics. I don't know if actually any of the jokes made it to air, but masturbation apparently is good for the immune system. Now, I don't know if that's... Uh, I think sex in general is good for the immune system, but masturbation is something that you can do uh, whilst social distancing. And so Dan, had a, Dan had a 40 year study of this. Well, Dan, were you part of the, Dan, Dan was part of the control group. Part of, part of the, well, uh, well, that might have been funny. If for the sex. sex but you're talking about masturbation. Uh, oh, sorry. That was a good joke, Dan. Come on. Talking about sex, it might have been. Now, uh, but, you know, um, I, I know things, too. Does masturbation boost your immune system? According to health.com, um, yes, it does. Um, 
I'm married 36 years. Uh, my kids are going to be listening to this. So I think a healthy relationship is uh, definitely a good part of good attitude as well. Depression. Absolutely. We know that depression reduces your immune system. So it stands to reason that. Good wait, wait, in all, in all honesty, uh, no joking aside. So Peter or uh, Dr. Gim, it's what, Dancing is so true. So not about masturbation, but about releasing that tension, releasing these, these whatever out of your body. So is that is that what's promoting the good health, according to Dan Adelman? Endorphins. Yeah. Endorphins. Just like when you go for a run or you work, have a good workout, you get an increase of... Are we really in. starting off by telling people not to have false hope in hydrochloroquine and then ending by telling them to go masturbate? <laughs> That really is that really where we're at on this show? I don't think we ever said don't have false hope. We have to have realistic. And, what, and what's the dosage of masturbation, Dan? As we know, doc, <laughs> the dosage matters here. Well, we know, we do know that it does save you a lot of money, a lot <laughs> of money. Now, well, that certainly with people out of work, that is a consideration. Now, can you explain to me one thing about this? Because they talk about the immune system all the time. However, I always hear about this, that people are dying because of an overreactive immune system, the so-called cytokine storm or whatever you call it. So, and then the uh, remdesivir, I think, or one of these drugs, oh, no, it was another drug. They were experimenting with an AIDS drug, which actually they thought was hopeful because it, sub it, it, it suppressed the immune system in some way. So Correct. are you up on that? Well, that's a complex relationship with the immune system they're describing. So how do you explain that? Doctors. Do you want me to take it? I mean, so, if you want. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll do Susanna, let him take it and you can correct him. Go ahead. Yeah, like, exactly. Same. How did you know? <laughs> I'm not clear on whether Peter Goldstein is a doctor or not. <laughs> no, I'm not a doctor. A doctor. <laughs> I'm a druggist. I always say when people come in, I'm not a doctor. I'm a druggist, apothecaryist. So what happens when you get this infection, your immune system starts going into overdrive. It starts shooting something out called uh, cytokines. Too much is no good. It can attack your own system. So when they're using these new medications, even if you talk about hydroxychloroquine, uh, if you're talking about Actemra, if you're talking about remdesivir, you kind of have to make an adjustment. You don't want to totally suppress your immune system because you want it to fight the bacteria or the virus in this case but you don't want it going crazy shooting out these warning systems being the cytokines. It's kind of like an alarm going out and the, uh, the sprinklers are going on and now you're flooding out the house. You don't want that. You just want to put out the fire. So I, that's kind of like a simplistic version. I would tell my patients, Susanna, you can expound, I'm sure. Um, no, I think you did a pretty good job explaining it. Um, I mean, it all boils down to what was mentioned earlier, which is that we really have no idea what's happening. We don't know um, the trajectory of the infection itself. Um, we just know that because of our lack of PPE and testing, we, we are being forced to manage very sick patients. So they're basically getting really severe by the time we see them. And at that point, we're throwing everything at them and they could be dying from things that are just complications of their critical illness rather than the infection itself. I'm sorry, could I stop you for one second? Did you say because of your lack of PPE? Yes, yeah, she said yeah. that, but we don't want to get into a whole... <laughs> I need to make sure I... 
heard her properly. Nobody had ever argued that there wasn't a lack of PPE. Ariel, maybe there's some medication you need to take. Do you understand that I've never, we've never even argued about whether there's a lack of PPE, that the argument was about the best way to to uh, respond to the lack of PPE, <laughs> and they're not the same question. If I disagree with the idea of GoFundMe um, uh, bidding up the price, when I believe that major institutions ought to be buying this stuff directly, and that it, it, it gives an incentive for hoarding, and I, I also smell uh, a rat with uh, hoaxes, and with people getting into this for their own publicity, to promote their stores, whatever it is, that none of that is because I think they're, they're swimming in masks. It's because I think that this, is, I'm very skeptical that NYU Langone needs a fashion designer to go buy the masks. I don't, I, I've, I have trouble understanding that. I have and I feel like the, I feel like the fashion design, I feel like the fashion designer is probably doing, uh, maybe getting some masks, but at the same time, the unintended consequences are probably uh, real. That's all I'll say, real. That's all. That's my, what I think. I don't even know that that's true. But I think uh, instead of, instead of uh, uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever word I want to put on, on how I would characterize your reaction that wouldn't be flattering, why don't you just tell me what I'm missing? Anyway, go ahead. Well, it's hard to bring on people uh, to have that discussion with Noam, but, you know, you're hard to get to. Uh, in terms of booking guests, you don't like to be involved in that. But, but I have, th I'm, I don't like these group text messages. I have a group there with thirty texts. I can't. I'm not going to go through thirty texts in the morning. That you like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm. I used to say I'm a busy man. That's not going to fly anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and let the record show, Periel, that was the worst hiding of a yawn I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. All right, we all saw it. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, um, by the way, I've been I've been taking um because you know, in case I get it, I I I'm a hypochondriac, so I I thought I I had it like fourteen times by now. But I've been taking um immune silver, wheatgrass, sea moss, not sure you guys oh, know about sea moss, age uh garlic <laughs> extract, chlorophyll, turmeric, uh spinach, kale, broccoli. Um what do you guys think about that? The, the two main people, not the, the rest of y'all. <laughs> I think that's a Once, pure question for sure. I think uh, I'm, not, I'm not the two main people, but I think uh, it's like chicken soup. Couldn't hurt. Okay. I think uh, Mark Marin did a great job with that in his special, his uh, first uh, 10 minutes opening monologue about the supplements and stuff. And he kind of saying, like, in, in his heart, he knows it doesn't work, but people take it. And so when I tell my students, there's three ways that you can go as a pharmacist, you can be a cynic, not believe anything. You can be gullible and believe everything that's thrown at you, or you can be a skeptic. And to me, I think everybody, myself, I'm a skeptic. I read a ton of information. Uh, there's some great websites that, that have it. And you have to look at evidence-based studies. You have to see, well, if you give 100 people turmeric and 100 people a placebo, is there gonna be any difference? Is it really gonna reduce inflammation? And quite honestly, there's never been a study to show taking a multivitamin or any of these herbs, it's going to prevent disease, cure a disease, or make you healthier. And most of the studies have shown the opposite. Antioxidants increase risk of prostate cancer in men, increase, uh, decrease blood glucose utilization with antioxidants. So if you eat right, somewhat right, that's 99% of the bottle, uh, battle. You really don't need to be taking these supplements. Let me tell you it wasn't answer. great for business. Well, this I mean, is what I you should do. Every I'll night, get, I'll, get your, I'll get your pharmacist so you're trying to sell drugs, so I get it. 
Right. I, I, <laughs> no, but you know what? I, honestly, I, I took more people out of prescriptions out of over-the-counter products than, than I sold probably. I always well, tried to be real upfront about it. Well, sit down and have a dinner of salmon and blueberries three times a week. That is, but from everything I've read about nutrition, those are the those are the surest bets. Salmon and berries, and He's drop all that. Huh? He's a vegan. Well, get off <laughs> your vegan stuff. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're meant. We're meant to eat fish. Well, it's really to help me not get shot by the cops. When I tell cops I'm vegan, they let me go. <laughs> <laughs> or, or fish oil, I guess. But I, you know, I'm skeptical of these um, other delivery mechanisms. I mean, I, I, that's something over my head. But I have read that they're not even sure that you can absorb vitamins from pills. So. Well, the whole point is, right, the whole point of this podcast today is um, – well, There is no point. How can we <laughs> protect ourselves from the coronavirus, Right. That wasn't necessarily the Stay point. home, Will. Stay home. Yeah, even if you do stay home, no, and you go and check your mail, there might be a piece of corona on that last piece of mail. No one's staying home 100%. You have to make some kind of move outside to either <laughs> to go get food or to go look out the window. You know, I'm saying is, in the meantime, no one could afford these drugs. There's, no, there's nothing to fight the corona. So my point to you guys is, what about eating healthy? What about just switching to a better diet in the meat? Because, yeah, there's no studies, but... No, no, healthy, healthy diet is great. There's definitely studies that prove that, Mediterranean diet, but I'm talking about supplements. I don't, know. don't say Mediterranean diet to Wilk is going to go into a whole power thing. Go ahead. I don't know that, look... You know, Which I Mediterranean? Mean, you mean the, Europe, the, the French uh, Mediterranean? The, the, the white yeah, people's Mediterranean? I would, no, no, I would, no. I would, um, I would be skeptical that changing your diet now would do much good, you know, uh, if you get Corona in the near future. But if you've been eating well your whole life and you don't have diabetes or pre-diabetes or hypertension or any of these other pre-existing conditions, that's a good thing. If you have a pre-existing condition, it's going to be hard to get rid of it in the next month through diet. Absolutely. I think it's a little bit too late. But no diet get rid of black. Huh? <laughs> 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 Susanna. Yes. What do you, what's your diet? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I eat what I like. I'm definitely a meat eater, so I don't know. I love are, you a Kore- are you of Korean descent? Yes, I am. And you still eat culturally Korean foods like kimchi and stuff like that? I do when I go home, but my husband does most of the cooking, and he's kind of very American, so. Because <laughs> kimchi is supposed to be extremely healthy. Yes, it is. So I always get that from my mom. She makes it. Is your husband a white guy? No, he's Korean. He's just born and bred in the Bronx. He's very okay, okay. American. <laughs> the Koreans, there's still a lot of Korean on Korean love going on. Um <laughs> It's <laughs> like the Jews, the Koreans stick together. I guess. I guess. What about yeah. inter? What about inter-Asian uh, dating? Is there a lot of Korean, say Japanese? Is that frowned upon or Korean Chinese mixed? That's definitely a taboo subject. I'm not sure we should talk about that. But yeah, Koreans don't usually talk about it if they are with Japanese people. 
Yeah, because the Japanese abuse the Koreans. It's, uh, you should, it's a big thing, yeah. It's a big I'm sure thing. there's a Wikipedia article at least on it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's horrible. It's pretty huge, and they yeah. do get treated not so well in Korea if they're like that. And, and they, they abuse the Koreans. Oh, there's a book about this. I just saw this. I'm going to look at I just sent it to a Korean friend of mine. I'm going to ask you, if, I'm going to send it to you. But um, now, and the Japanese won't admit it either. That's, I think that's really part of the resentment, right? Is that they, they did it and they pretend they didn't. Right, but did, you know, we recently what? got them to force apologies and things like that. Um, I'm sorry, the, the Japanese did what to the Koreans? They well, basically, um, it, it's kind of like the Civil War, except for it was Japanese people trying to deny Korean as a culture. They, Actually, they, I mean, also, did, they also did crazy things to, to the Chinese too, right? Correct, right. They did it to to several cultures. So it's just kind of like a running theme in the world. Every Japanese person I met couldn't be sweeter. It just, uh, just interesting that, uh, you know. (laughs) So Susanna, there's a book called Pachinko by a woman named Min Jin Lee. I don't know how to say Mm -hmm. it. And uh, I just ordered this book because it seems so interesting. It's a woman about a a half foreign, but oftentimes harsh new world of a Korean immigrant in imperialist Japan who Sunja gives birth out of wedlock to whatever, it's a whole, but it's apparently a fantastic book. Yeah, it's a very popular book. I haven't read it, but my friends have, so. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read that book. It. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Cowan, I think, recommended that book. I think that's what I heard about on, on the Marginal Revolution site. I can, I, can I ask what Will, since I haven't seen him in so long, and by the way, Will, it's good to see you again. Good to see you, Dan. Uh, what you've been doing in lockdown for all this time? I know you're um, an exercise freak, so yeah, I assume you managed to exercise at home. No, I actually have been. I've been uh, not exercising, <laughs> but I'm gonna. I started this past weekend, and everything hurts. Um, my trainer is doing some training through Zoom, and it was great. But it was like I wish I didn't stop. Besides that, I've been writing. I've been working on a script, um, and um, I might do a little, uh, a couple of um, news videos. With Brian Kennedy. Okay. So that's what I'm working. And then I watch a couple of shows on Netflix. I'm not a big TV watcher. I most, mostly watch the news. But I watch, um, you guys ever seen Ozark? Yes. Okay. Season one. So good. Oh, man. Ozark is freaking, the writing on that show is freaking insane. And the performance, they think you know, and the performance is insane. <laughs> that's Will's gym. That's, <laughs> that's actually my high school prom. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, what you been doing, Dan? You're writing a screenplay. What am I doing? Uh, yeah, I've been. Yeah, I'm writing a screenplay, and um, I, I wrote like nine films, and I'm just going back and tighten a few of them up. And um, yeah, that's about it. What you been doing? Well, I've been reading a lot about Corona, and I consider myself one of the foremost experts on Corona. Hey, okay, um, no, real quick, was Corona made, or was it a natural thing in animals? It's not proven. All evidence seems to no, support it. That wasn't made. Well, I'm talking made. to the expert on Corona, everybody. I, I'm oh, going to have to veto them. <laughs> it, was not, it was not made. It was perhaps escaped from a lab, but I don't think anybody's serious. I haven't heard anybody serious who thinks it was actually So wait, wait, no. Escape from the lab. What happens in the lab? That's not a natural place. What are you that, talking th- about? That they can tell you about. Go ahead. But what I happens in the lab? Why would, they, why would they have a virus in a lab? Experts? It's bioterrorism. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, no. There you go. Shut no down. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's you, that's that I didn't that's not that it was made. What she's saying is they're studying it for 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 maybe to 
to release it and have a vaccine for themselves or something. I'm, I don't know what. Okay. Well, you can take naturally occurring things and then just play with it or mutate it to make it evil. Stronger. Weapon like it, it's. Or it's, you can make it, Susanna, you can make it stronger, right? Yeah, you could try to give it everything you want it to have. Because if you think about the biological drugs we have right now, we make them from naturally occurring. So, Susanna, would that mean it was made? I don't know. I told you. No, I, no, no. I'm saying, I'm, saying, I know, I'm saying if, if, if they took the virus in the lab and they made it stronger, so th is that technically called made? Yes, that is, Will. That would be well made. However, if you read, read the articles on it, I know you don't believe uh, anything anybody, the, you know, the media and, and the government says, but the, according to the uh, United States intelligence, they've already, they've determined that it was not made, but they don't know whether it escaped from the lab. By the way, so I'll let you know, I was trying to look up a picture of, because I had all the, those black guys in the gym. So I tried to look up a picture of Hasidic Jews in the gym. <laughs> uh, you can find almost anything on Google. I could not find a picture of Hasidic Jews working out. So all I could find is this gaggle of Hasidic uh, Jews but behind me. But this is photoshopped, right? This can't be real. Oh, no, that's real. But no, we, that's real. Yeah, that's Wait, real. Do you think it's bioterrorism? Who are you asking? You're asking. Will, Will obviously thinks it's bioterrorism. No, I'm not, uh, no, I'm not, no, no, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm sure not, if it's I'm like, not I'm not sure if someone ate a freaking live bat or if it came from a lab. I'm, I'm saying is is that's the that's the two main things they saying either made from in a lab or it's a virus that was ever already in existence and they just soup it up they put steroids in it <laughs> i'm just saying steroids or someone just ate a, a bat and they couldn't wait to to cook it and like you know i'm hungry right now i gotta eat this bat right now you know what i'm saying so i'm not sure <laughs> what to, where, okay where is, here uh -oh. is a uh oh here we go Oh, no. Wait, let I, her stay. So what do you think? So well, I, I'm definitely not saying that it's bioterrorism. I was just saying that it, if that was the theory people were going to go with, then it could be a result of bioterrorism and it would be the purpose of it. But the truth is there are a lot of microbials out there that we haven't discovered yet because there's a lot of tests we have to do to figure out the structure of it and how it functions. I mean, this has been out for a while now and we all still don't really know exactly um, what's going on with it. So, so that's what I'm going on. I don't, I don't know if it's true. New coronavirus wasn't made in the lab. Geno genomic, genomic, genomic studies shows. And this, this article has been, I mean, that's the first one that came out, but this. That's this, from WebMD. Right. This story's, this story's <laughs> been picked up. Now this story's been picked up in all the, in all the major, uh, I think the Washington Post. Did it, first of all, WebMD is not Breitbart. WebMD is, um, well, you know, yeah, it's not bad. As, it's at least not as bad. legitimate as Will Sylvins. Thank you. In terms how of long? How long does it take um, a scientist or a pharmacologist or a pharmacist or a doctor or all of those things? How long do you guys need to be able to know what the hell is going on? Because I had a doctor tell me, as you just did, that the general consensus <coughs> is that nobody knows what the fuck is going on and what this is. Like, how long is it going to take? Before, I mean, she said the way that this is being treated is "quote unquote" basically a crapshoot. Wow, that's well, again, your physician. Again, no, they not, don't my, know. not my physician, but a physician who I was speaking with. Well, yeah, I think in terms of treatment, they, uh, you know, there's no, 
uh, some are using hydroxychloroquine. A lot of people are using that. But as, as, um, as our pharmacist friend said, Peter Goldstein, the, the, the studies show different things there. But, um, you know, people take, take Tylenol for the fever. People take, um, uh, I guess you can take a, 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 um, anti, a cough medicine for the cough. But there's, there's, there's no exact treatment for this. That is correct. By the way, what happens if they don't take Advil? They were telling us, don't take Advil, don't take Advil. Nobody right. even mentions it anymore. That, that's not true. That, that, that's not true. Well, What's one not of the true? big things What's not about true? taking Advil, you can take non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. It was a causation correlation thing. There was the uh, NIH said it's fine. I, I think one of the big things that they've discovered, that, not discovered, but they found over the last couple of weeks, that this, this disease is causing uh, blood clots, like these micro blood clots. Some of them are really small in the lungs, and they're finding they're having good success by using anticoagulants like heparin and enoxaparin in the patient. So that's one area where they're actually making some progress. And I think that that's going to be a big deal. In the beginning, Norm was right. They used to tell us, don't take Advil, take Tylenol. That's better. But now you're saying that, that that's not, no longer true. So no one updated, updated this info. Like I, I'm just now hearing about this new updated ad, no Advil campaign against Corona. No, Will, you've heard the expression, the fog of war? No, I never heard well, that. The fog of war is an expression. When you're at war, uh, the, you know, it's hard to find out what's going on, and, and there's a lot of uh, contradictory information. I would think that analogously, uh, the fog of war applies to uh, the corona pandemic. There's a lot of information, a lot of ambiguity, a lot of contradiction, uh, and... Uh, I think that that is uh, much like a, a war in that sense. What about the plasma? What about the plasma uh, uh, treatment? Again, these are pharmacists, so you know we, we have to be careful. Uh, oh, I have, a, I have another question. If you don't know about plasma, no, no, no. We should no. talk about plasma because oh, go ahead, it's, go ahead. Like, it's the latest thing that everyone's talking about. And that was pretty shitty of Dan to assume, like, to, to actually intervene on your behalf because he thought you wouldn't know about plasma. My point is, when Noam does, can I just interject? What Noam has a tendency to do is, when we have a, a person on in a certain field, Noam uh, throws all skepticism to the wind and attributes to that person a uh, infinite wisdom and omniscience. And I would caution Noam not to do that in general. I'm sorry uh, for giving you the benefit of doubt, Susanna, but, but go ahead. What do you know about plasma? <laughs> you tend to give people on omniscience, and also you tend to ask them questions that might be beyond their particular scope of study. So That's, I just want to caution Susanna, you. Susanna, I know you're married, but I think Dan likes you, but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I think that was, I, well, I do, I do want to say that I thought it was actually really insightful for him to say that it might be outside of our pharmacist's scope of practice because um, usually convalescent plasma would be part of the blood bank's responsibility and um, we don't typically have to handle those drugs but it's become tricky because a lot of the biologics are now sort of being shifted over to pharmacies depending on where you're at but as far as the plasma goes in theory it makes so much sense and everybody was jumping on the bandwagon they're like how can we do get this you know everybody's getting infected everyone that's recovered why don't they just go donate and we can save everybody um, but obviously it's not that straightforward and it's not that easy. We don't really know exactly when you stop being infectious. So some of the people that have quote unquote recovered, like Will mentioned earlier, really probably weren't recovered. They just felt better. Um, it is 
seeming like it's presenting um, symptomatic for a short while and then you feel okay and then it comes back stronger. And so because of our lack of testing, we can't really confirm whether or not that's true, at least not in the U.S. And if you want to donate plasma to save someone, we have to make sure that you're not actually still infectious. So there's also another concept called um, antibody enhancement effect. And that basically means that your antibodies can actually increase the virology occurring in your body, which would just make you sicker. So because of that, we also, that 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 makes the vaccine development issue a little bit longer winded as well. That's interesting. We have, have, have one. So wait, I'm sorry. So plasma is good or no good? <laughs> Unknown. Right. So again, like before, we still don't know. It looks like it's promising. Mount Sinai was the only place that was doing it for a while. Some of the other local hospitals are starting to do it, but everything is clinical trial status. By the way, Noam, there, there's um, some recent studies I think out in uh, California and elsewhere are suggesting a much greater rate of infection potentially than we had thought, maybe as much as 30 or 40 or 50 times, which would well, reduce great, but I don't know. mortality rate quite a bit. Um, and I don't know where things are with that. Does anybody have a feel for the following question? I, I'm going to ask uh, Tyler Cowan on Saturday, but... Um, you don't want to ask me? I'm going to ask everybody. Um, you, you don't need to answer, though. If... Um, if we had all worn, started wearing masks on February on Valentine's Day, if we, uh, on, on February fourteenth, <laughs> if we'd all been wearing masks rather than being told not to wear masks, how much, how many fewer deaths do you think we'd have? What percentage? I think it would be quite significant. Definitely. Uh, I think. I, mean, I think uh, it's so significant. Maybe we wouldn't even need, need to have locked down like we did. I think. I think we at least more than half, 70 percent. It's amazing. I mean, it was so like they want to look for the, the bad guys here, but why the hell did they not? They actually told us do not wear masks. Like, like what well, the I think the reason why was because that? the healthcare workers didn't have enough. They thought I mean, they, they, they didn't even, so even need to be N95. It could be a scarf, anything. Right. And, 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 and they send us off to the to, to die. Like and it's kind of a sense that when you wear a mask, you 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 stop your joints from getting out. They they did this before. They they you know the Chinese been wearing masks. Americans made fun of the Chinese or anybody wearing a mask in the street, thinking they you know whatever. And 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 now they told us before they told us don't wear a mask. Now wear everybody wear. It's, it it seems like they're doing small steps. And like okay, don't do that. All right, do that. All right, don't do that. All right, do that. All right, don't do that. It's like right. it's like this cat and mouse game since freaking February. It's like no, no, no. You guys are good. Okay, no, no. Let's do this. It's like they, they just we we should just go all out, take major precautions since day one. No, you should look at countries like South Korea who actually have succeeded in getting this under control very quickly. I was just about to talk about that. I'm so glad you said it and not me. I was going to say that too. I was going to say that too. Basically, it's important to keep in mind that in Korea, you know, at first when it jumped up there, everyone was like, oh my goodness, why is it happening in Korea? Korea is developed. Um, But they were ready. They had a plan. They did not even do a lockdown and they controlled it because they were really aggressive with their testing. They were also, they did this uh, contact tracing. So anybody that was positive had to tell them 
you know, all the different people they were in contact with so that all those people would get tested as well. They did a lot of social distancing. They were always wearing masks. I mean, they also have experience with SARS and MERS. So some of these countries that are more familiar with how this can blow up um, are a little bit more sensitive. Well, the to good news the is, the good, if there's any good news, perhaps the, ne- the good news is, is that the next time anything like this arises, we will be right there with the masks and we'll do what no one <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, it was a little late for this uh, pandemic, but perhaps the next pandemic will be will be ready to go. I do want to uh, say hi to Ray Ellen, Aruba Ray Ellen, as we call. Hi, him. everybody. Uh, By the way, just to, to piggyback on what you just said, I heard that uh, De Blasio said uh, we're not going to rely on uh, on on the state or the go- or the federal government or or other countries, and we're going to have a, plenty of supplies of our own ventilators and gowns and all the PPE. And I was very happy to hear that. We don't need ventilators anymore. Uh, by so the way, going back to what he said before, so de Blasio said that the reason he told everybody not to wear masks was because uh, they wanted to uh, save on saving for the healthcare workers. But I've read a bunch of articles since then, and that, and that was apparently just total unmitigated bullshit. He's just trying to cover his ass. That the doctors really were advising, and for, for medical reasons, they thought you didn't need to wear masks. I, well, I think I, a lot of the problem, though, what they were saying that the mask will. If somebody has COVID, if they're positive, you wear the mask, you're going to protect somebody else from getting it. If you don't have it and you wear it, and if you don't handle the mask properly, you're increasing your risk of catching it. Because if you're taking off the mask and then you touch your face and for some reason the germ is on there, you have a better chance of, of getting it. But, but yeah, but the, but the point is, what's, what's the chances of someone not handling it versus like the percentage of people that's handling it right? I, I feel like... I'd say it's more handling it wrong, definitely. Yeah, but the, no, no, but my, my point to you is, is you're, you're, you're containing your germs right here as opposed to letting them out into the atmosphere and then now it's everywhere, you know what I'm saying, versus the germs are contained. So even if you handle your mask wrong, it's between you and your germs. It's not you right. and your germs and anybody else. So even well, if- I'm talking about as far as catching it. Yeah, so, so I feel like your germs, there will be less germs out in the atmosphere if okay, we have okay. masks. Even if you're mishandling your mask, at least that's you and your own that's a good germ. point. Good well, point. The, the Noam's question still stands. Uh, given all these variables, given mishandling of masks, everything, had we started wearing masks on day one, and of course, as Noam pointed out, you can make your own mask, um, how different would the situation be? And I think it's a valid question. And uh, Peter, is your sense that the situation would be much improved over what it is now? It pro- uh, I think if we started social distancing early, obviously that, that would have made a difference. I don't know if the masks earlier, I mean. The thing I, is that- It's like, a good point. The thing is that, you know, I mean, I, what's going on? Oh. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that, but that's not, that's not an accurate chart. I've seen, I've seen that debunked. Hey, that's from my doctor's office. I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's, if you look at Snopes or PolitiFact, one of the, one of these, I, I fact check everything, right? <laughs> this has been, um, uh, that's not accurate. Has been, that has been declared not accurate or not based on science anyway. It doesn't mean it's not accurate, but if it's accurate, it's lucky. Um, you know, uh, they is have that no, true, Susanna, is that not accurate? Well, I'm not sure about the numbers, but having a barrier is definitely better than not having yes. one. And I think yes. that the handling, it's, it's not just uh, the way you have it around your nose. It's also if 
you are touching yourself and touching the mask, then you are, and touching the mask on the wrong side, then you're also spreading. Now, uh, this is the thing. Well, I, want, I, I want to make an important take point. Take that image off because it's very disturbing. <laughs> I want to make an important point because I think this is a valid point. Given the nature of the whole concept of viral, which is the compounding nature of the numbers, goes from two to four to, you know, if you give a penny one day and 30 days, you double it every day in, in, a, in a month, you have over a million dollars, right? That like anything, that anything which even helps us a small percentage eight weeks ago, as it ripples through the compounding effects, would have a huge effect by today. So to whatever extent, they're telling us to wear masks now, because they think it has to be more than, I mean, it's a pretty you know, inconvenient thing to put everybody in masks, so they must think it's somewhat significant. And that somewhat significance compounded over the effects of eight weeks, I think would have to be very, very big. That's my point. That's what viral is. Thank you, Norm. Thank you for that point. That doesn't make sense. So the question is, is do the negative effects of mishandling the mask, are they outweighed by the positive effects of a infected person not infecting others. I think the answer is yes, or they wouldn't be advising us to wear them. Yeah. Um, they don't know. I didn't realize they were advising everyone not to wear them. They had been, yeah. They had been. They had That's been. crazy. Yeah. At the beginning. At the beginning, yeah. Well, I, certainly don't I, think, I think they were afraid of people not having the supplies. I mean, the, the, what's no, going on in the hospital? That's how they like, rationalized. No, that's, no, that's true. No, I think it wasn't Alice. It was through figure out what's going on, and then come up with it. They was doing it as they go along. It's like this is, oh. they, they were treating this like it's brand new. We, we had different viruses out before, so it's like, you, you guys, they've been through this shit, and there's been experts that have been through this shit. There's, they should have let the experts tell us what to do and, and handle it. But it was like, uh, okay, we'll see how it goes tomorrow, y'all. Uh, it was like a damn reality show. With, with, well, as I come, back to my, I come back to my fog of war analogy. or. To quote Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until they get hit. And, and by the way, think about what you're saying. Who? It, a lot of people said stuff. Who? Peter. <laughs> it is totally unethical to tell the public a lie that impacts their health because you want to save supplies for doctors. You cannot do that. Well, unless... Saving supplies for doctors does impact the public's health. Yeah. No, but you, can't, but point, you, know you cannot tell people lies about what if they what if they have masks that they already own hold on a lot of people already own masks i had masks wait norm has a point because it's like it's like the whole purpose of you protecting yourself so you don't go to the doctor you know what I'm saying? So if it's less people go to a doctor, then, then you won't have to worry about it. So it seems like I bought masks is better for the people than the doctors because so well, they I bought masks token, in February. By the same like token, I'm sorry. By the same token, we can't jeopardize the lives of nurses, doctors, anesthesiologists, respiratory therapists. Oh, what, you what can, you people, can. What no. these people have been going through the last few months is you can incredible. Make a, we're going to be lucky. We're going to be lucky next year if there's a nurse no. left, if there's a doctor left. I'm telling you, absolutely not. They're you can make out. a law. You can make a you can make a law forbidding it, uh, uh, making it illegal to sell masks to anybody but hospitals. You can do that, but a doctor, I, I agree the with medical you the community, cannot feed lies. I bought Correct. I bought a box of masks in February, and then I was told you don't need them. I gave some away. I didn't think I needed them. But no, no, they were right insofar as wearing a mask is there's a good argument to be made that it wouldn't protect you 
but that it would protect others. And I, can, I think at that point, perhaps they didn't realize how many asymptomatic people were out there, so they didn't seem to feel the need that everybody should wear a mask. But I, no, I don't sorry. think they did it to save supplies. I think they believed it. I mean, I've, I've read a lot about I, it. I think, I think they did too. And I think your point about lying is, is totally bad. And I think the fact about lying about taking these medications, that it's going to save you or cure you or prevent you from getting it, is just as bad. I mean, people can't get these medications who need it. You know, people with lupus. Imagine, imagine know. you had, imagine you had a mask. You didn't, you didn't wear it. You got sick, and De Blasio's on record saying, "I only said that because I was trying to raise supp save supplies." Oh. You better fucking sue that guy right now. That that is that is absolutely a, a lawsuit. But but that but, wasn't the reason. The reason was is they felt that you wearing a mask because of mishandling it. And not yeah, but he's De Blasio. De Blasio has said he did it to save supplies. I think he left himself open. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to start well, some trouble. Wait, you say so? What about that state that's suing China? Missouri. What do you guys think about that? Missouri is suing China. Yeah, I, I don't think China's gonna show up to court. <laughs> the courts are closed. The courts are closed, and they're not gonna open for like a year. And neither's the rest of the country at the rate we're going. Well, for us, it wouldn't make sense because they found out that most of our virus is from Europe. Are we going to see Europe? No, but they're not, they're not suing China because the virus came in. They're suing China because they, 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 uh, didn't tell the they truth. mishandled the information. Yeah, yeah. Mis we want to let Aruba Ray um, promote okay. what he came here to promote. Yeah, then we'll go. Go ahead, Ray. Uh, well, first of all, let me introduce Ray Allen, philanthropist, comedian, director, writer, and uh, let's face it, uh, ladies' man. Lothario. <laughs> Wait a minute, you introduce me? <laughs> well, is it a black thing? Well, I tried to. We were in the middle of a conversation then oh, about yeah. Dr. Right. which I've never actually heard you pronounce, and I, I'd kind of like to hear that. I'm so happy I used the word Lothario correctly. Sometimes the words come to me, I'm not really sure. It means a man who behaves selfishly and irresponsibly in his sexual relationships with women. That was I'm exactly the word I was looking for. You are a Lothario. Lothario Ellen. Go ahead. Go ahead. Gentlemen. Go ahead. He came uh, here. He has, a, he has a charity that he would like to promote. Well, Lothario La Charity, go ahead. <laughs> it's, uh, it's called supportcomedians.org, and it helps New York-based comedians who are out of work. We've been helping so many people in the past just five days when we first started promoting it, and it's very exciting. We had some huge, very generous donations from- Tell them, tell them. Uh, Louis C.K. contributed- How much? $25,000, which I was, I, was shocked, I was pleasantly surprised, very shocked when I saw that. And the money has really been being put, put to great use and uh, helping a lot of people. Judd Apatow made a very nice donation as well. So, How much? Uh, he gave $1,000. Those are wow. both, um, they're both public. They're on the page. You can see them. So Judd, I say, wow, because he gave a lot of money to a lot of other things already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm not, if someone doesn't contribute, I totally understand they're giving other things. But if anyone can contribute, it's for the New York City community, regardless of skill level. If you're an open micer, if you're a headliner. Meanwhile, it's been helping comedians that everybody here knows. And yeah, wait, but the open micers don't get the same amount, do they? <laughs> it's based on need. If you're if you're a, a single mother and you know and you haven't passed the cellar yet, but you're working at the Village Lantern. Hey, Uber Ray, could I call you theoretically or email you and say, look, I did comedy. I'm an open micer. I actually I only did it one time, but I am. But uh, technically, I did it once. I am I, an open micer. Give I, me the I, money. I would have to say I'm sorry. Based on, on the criteria that, that we've outlined, it's it's uh, working for at least a year in New York City, and uh, it is again based on need, not level in the business. But we'll prioritize, you know, unemployment over underemployment. 
a single parent and one income family with a child, if you're over 55 or you have acute medical needs, those are all priorities. But so far, so how, how do I get, how do I get down? You uh, just, uh, when you go to supportcomedians.org, there's an email address there for comics. It's nyccomedians20 at Gmail. You'll see it on the page, supportcomedians.org. You know, the public should know there's certain people like uh, Judd, Amy Schumer, Louis C.K., who really can always be counted on to, to go into their wallets or pocketbooks to help. Not just things like this, like when Artie was sick, and it's been a few, you know, there's been a bunch of times that. When Kyle Grooms was sick. Kind yeah. of sick. There's been a bunch of times that money was needed, and it's the same names over and over who who are there that come back to the rescue. Yeah, but so that they, they really deserve our appreciation. Or those of us of lesser means who can also be counted on to uh, donate money, albeit of smaller amount. He already Dan put Adderin. you in crashing, Dan. I think he's done enough. Dan Adderin did contribute under under two different names. He contributed on this fund already, under his own and and, and a, an alias. But uh, the emails I'm getting from people are, I mean, they're, they're moving. Like, people are really stuck, and I feel horrible. And it feels great. So you should share you, them. You should share the emails. I could. They'll remain anonymous, but I could certainly share the, the emails without saying the names. And, uh, and everyone's receiving uh, uh, assistance within, I mean, usually within in five hours. But I always try to do it within 24 hours through Venmo or PayPal. And... Uh, and it's, it feels good to do it. I'm happy that- What's the total amount you raised so far? We raised $34,853. How, how much is left in the bank? Who donated something with three at the end of it? Uh, it was, I think, uh, I'd have to go back and look. I think some, one person ended something with an 18, like he donated 18. Somebody else ended something with a five. Yeah, so it's probably a high situation and a five situation. That, would, yeah. that wouldn't come out to a three, I don't think, but go ahead. What I, what I wanted to, well, I, th I think. Oh, the five and three, I get five and eight. I there you yeah. go, Norm, now you're getting it. What I wanted to, look, arithmetic was never his strong suit, but he makes a mean falafel. What I wanted to say. <laughs> I, wanted I was to thinking a multiple of eight. I didn't realize you meant the, the, the yeah, go ahead. I wanted to, point I wanted to make is, yeah, we certainly, you're absolutely right. There are some big donors like Judd, like Amy Schumer, like Louis, that can always be counted on. But let's not discount the generosity of people like Will Sylvans, for example, I noticed a very nice donation, albeit not $5,000, but I think in proportion to his net worth, pretty generous. <laughs> I put you down, Will. Well, he, Will's <laughs> comic like we all are, but Will gave a very nice sum of money to the Comedy Cellar waitstaff, um, 300, 500, something, something pretty impressive. Um, the, comedy community, the comedy community is, has shown solidarity uh, I think it's pretty unusual. I don't work in other businesses, you know, but what I've seen through numerous GoFundMes and numerous fund when Artie uh, Fuqua, remember when he had his yeah. uh, accident, a lot of money was raised and uh, he certainly doesn't need it, but, um, but he needed it at the time. Fine. Sure you know, is. business is facing a real issue now. Uh, we're going to face it. The Wall Street Journal wrote about it. Then I guess we can wrap it up, which is that right now people are getting approximately $1,100 a week to stay home in safety. Why is somebody gonna go show up to work at the comedy cellar for seven, eight hundred, nine hundred, or even even for twelve hundred dollars a week and risk getting sick when they can sit home and make eleven $1 hundred dollars a week with no risk to themselves? Well, how long does that last at eleven hundred? Because the government will eventually say no more money. Now you gotta yeah, go back to for, for now, if they let us open tomorrow, I don't think anybody's gonna show up to work. 
Well, Come I on. think people, people like First having... Of, that money can last a long time because no one's going shopping, okay? And, no, you're and, missing the point. My point is that they created an incentive. Fine, I'm, you know, but some people did write about this at the time, and the New York Times um, really criticized it, but they were wrong. They, 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 they made the benefits so generous that, and they didn't consider what's that going to mean when it's time to get people back to work. They're not going to want to come back to work. I don't blame them. I would. I don't want to. I wouldn't want to go back to work either. Yeah, but, but the money is not going to keep coming once the once the virus is is eradicated or there, there's a vaccine, right? Yeah. The there's going to be an in between period. There's going to be an in between period where they're back to work, but it's not eradicated, just kind of under control. Well, they said there's going to be another um, surge of it in the winter, for sure. I think there's going to be another surge of it in July, all right? Like, who is this surge guy you're all talking about? Anyway, what, no, what they could do is say, look, you can keep the money we're giving you, and you can make whatever money you make at work. They could just say you get both, and this would keep an incentive going. Like, in other words, when you apply for unemployment, I get it, yeah. How long is it good for? Two months? Three months? I don't, I don't know. No, it can be. It can be for a long. Uh, oh, there's, they change the limit all the time. In in bad times, they extend it all the time. Hey, by the way, there's a lot of Dan. I, I, there's a lot of I, I mentioned the celebrity comics who have donated to this, but there's yes. quite a few who. It's all public. It's on the it's on the page. But uh, people such as uh, Jane Condon and Joe Mackey, Chris Stefano, Avi Lieberman, Brian Scott McFadden. Avi Lieberman, by the way, tested. We all know Avi. He's a comic. He just got an antibody test. You know, we're talking about antibody tests. Yeah. He tested positive for the, he had, he has the antibody. Yeah. And he, this is what a weasel Avi Liebman is. He was only sick for two days. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't even that bad. Yeah. But that's typical Avi for you. Just yeah. always a scam. He's, yeah. orthodox, he's Orthodox Jewish, right? <laughs> yeah. He's modern Orthodox. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's something oh, to that. No. Something? Okay, the, we gotta let, we gotta let the pharmacists go. They have lives to save. Okay. Uh, that's right. Well, is the pharmacy still open at this hour? They got drugs to sell under the table. <laughs> Susanna wouldn't do that. No. Oh, neither would? <laughs> no. Nor would I. You know, also, some of the pharmacies don't carry the narcotics. That's an insider tip. Oh, how you know, Susanna? <laughs> <laughs> That's part of our protection plan. So that, you know, the... Here's a question I have about pharmacy. This is a very pharmacy-specific question. What do celebrities do? Say you're a celebrity. Say you're... Uh, well, say you're Jennifer Lawrence and you have to pick up Valtrex. I'm not saying Jennifer <laughs> has herpes. This is just hypothetical. <laughs> is there a way to do that without going to the pharmacy or having your name known to the pharmacist? How, how I'll deliver, but I don't know how to keep your name secret. How does that work? Um, <laughs> well, we're not supposed to share patient-specific information. Well, just amongst friends. Tell us who's got herpes in Hollywood. Well, the point yeah. is... <laughs> Do they come pick it up, big name people? Will they come to pick it up or they'll send somebody to pick it up so that nobody sees them at the pharmacy? 50-50. I worked in the city a little bit, so I did deal with quite a few celebrities. And sometimes, you know, their guy or gal would come pick it up. Sometimes they would come up and pick it up. But you know what? We're always number one tr trusted profession in the country. Pharmacists and nurses, we're always up there. So Now, like, say so a famous person comes to the pharmacy, he's looking for, she's looking for uh, lithium, which is used in manic depressive illness, as you know. Absolutely. Would, would you be discreet and say, okay, uh, Cedric the Entertainer, we've got your lithium right here. 
We only did that with Viagra. <laughs> or do you be like, years ago, I'll be honest, but years ago I was at UPenn and I was picking up a prescription for Prozac. And the guy behind the counter says, how's the Prozac working for you? <laughs> and I That's said, bad. hey, dude. I said, dude, there's a whole line of people behind me. He said, don't worry about it. Nobody knows what Prozac is, which at the time was true. Um, That's not okay. But it's not yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I can't do that. Can't and do I that. schooled him. I schooled him is what I did. Good. And he deserved it to be worked schooled. It for me anyway. I stopped using it. But, um, but I know for some people it's very helpful. Um, Absolutely. All right. Well, let's just all say we're happy that Periel has recovered from, from uh, yes. I'm not Periel's disease. She to take an antibody test. Periel, on you had corona? She, yeah, she was diagnosed all over the phone. It's called telehealth. No, no, I was very skeptical of that. Of that I, I can't wait to get this antibody test, and then I don't. I mean, you're going to have like scientific evidence. Is that going to be sufficient? Just make uh, sure that the test is one of the tests that have been approved, because only four. I think now it's up to four companies have approved tests. I was just going to give it to me. It's I, false. So they're assuming five percent of the population has it, and some of these tests, the specificity is only ninety-five percent. So you're going to get 5% false positives compared with 5% of the population. So out of 100 people, five may test positive, but you don't know. Only half of them might actually be positive. Half might be so false positive. Don't like, forget about the base rate fallacy. What's the there point of even taking the test then? Until they get a good test that has a good specificity, it's, we don't know yet. It may not be all that good. It's just a way for pharmaceutical companies to make an enormous amount of money. On the yeah. test. Oh, don't take yeah, the test. You can do it if you want, but a lot of the tests out there are not approved by anyone. So it's highly questionable what the result even actually means. So, and I don't know if your insurance is going to cover it. I mean, that's another thing you might want to check before you do it. I'd be more nervous to hook up with someone and catch COVID than to catch, you know, HPV at this point. Thank you for that, Ray. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> Thank you, Ray. I can't get, no one can get laid. When are you supposed to get laid? Times are very Ray. dark when Ray Allen is not getting laid. Ray, stick to the sponsorship. <laughs> I want to thank the Lord for sending me Periel as a perfect foil who says something. She just delivers fastballs right over the plate on a regular basis. She's the Sandy Koufax of, of uh, liberalism. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and by the way, by the way, I was calling Periel Purell when I first met her for a long time, and she never corrected me. Well, yeah. You were visionary. You knew what, what was going to be needed. I just thought it was your accent, honey. Purell. He doesn't have an accent. He's born in Brooklyn. Thank you, Noam, for the facts. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so, so we, we, who do we have on, off. on our next hey, episode? Don't sign off, because I have a non-pharmaceutical question for mm -hmm. you. For me, okay, did they, okay. I don't want to keep well, them. If you want to stay, please. Do. I mean, they can say goodbye. Is there? They can say goodbye. They can. No, stay. we'd like them to stay. I just don't want to pressure them to stay. So go ahead. Let's <laughs> go. This is. Sir, I really want to know what you guys think about this. I got called an anti-Semite um, in front of thirty thousand um, on, on a Facebook group. Oh, today. you're gonna get shut down. You're gonna get canceled. They, somebody posted something about how the Orthodox Jews are donating plasma 
at like in like at, in large numbers. And I said, well, that's great. It would also be helpful if they would stay the fuck at home and practice social distancing. And one of the people in the group said, oh, well, it's nice to know how you feel about, you know, Jews or Orthodox Jews or whatever. And I was like, excuse me? Like, have you heard the way I speak? I was like, how dare you call me an anti-Semite? I was like, these are material facts. My mother said that to me once. What? That I was an anti-Semite. Because? I, I, I said something, and, and we are Jewish. I mean, Goldstein. <laughs> he withheld the prescription for her, and she got upset and called him an anti-Semite. Yeah, you, you know, you're an anti-Semite, Peter. Wait, what did you say, though? What was the what was, what was, what words you said? It's not a nice thing to say what you said. Well, you said you're anti-Semitic. What, but it's, well, it's, it's true, isn't it? I mean, I didn't even say anything that was, it's a, it's a fact. I mean, they came out and said, we're it's not- It's like saying, uh, uh, there's a story about some, you know, some black people doing uh, some sort of good work. That would be, yeah, but that'd be nice if they would stop uh, murdering each other. So it's like, yes, you, you, can, you can point to some, but it's just not the time and place to say it, it, it betrays a certain hostility. You're not talking about that issue now. You're talking about something good that they're doing. And to it's just like, pull no. out a hostility to try to, you know, like, like as if, as if any, any conversation about Hasidic Jews is now appropriate to say, yeah, I wish I'd fucking stay home. I could see why somebody said, yeah, you know, no, I don't think you're anti-Semitic. No, I, just, I, I mean, not, not diplomatic. No, not you're anti-diplomatic. Well, I'm coming from you. I might take that as a compliment. I mean, no, I don't. I'm I don't, not even criticizing you. I'm just saying. Well, I don't know but, that that's true. I thought that was exactly the place. It's like beating the shit out of your wife and then being like, oh, wasn't that nice of OJ to take Nicole to, um, you know, out to dinner or to that women's shelter? It's like, uh, who cares what? if you're donating plasma? Okay, I I suppose you're right. I don't know. It's well, letting letting people know that was, donate plasma. You know, not, not hey, look, you guys can argue all day, but please do not drop the end bomb. So, um, <laughs> questions, comments, criticisms about the podcast, podcast at comedyseller.com. Um, I don't think it was a nice thing to say, Perio. As I said, podcast at comedyseller.com. Do, do you have any data? I well, uh, an article. Is that a real question? No. It's you know, an article question. came out in the Times saying how there's a very high infection rate amongst the Orthodox, the Hasidic community in Brooklyn. Uh, that was an article came out I think, today or yesterday. Oh, I assume they're giving it to each so, other, but are they spreading it to us is what I'm saying. I didn't say they're spreading it to us. Oh. They're going into hospitals like Maimonides that and infecting, I mean, infecting nurses and doctors. I mean, I didn't make this up. This is a fact. Well, okay. people in general are doing that. Fair I mean, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I, I know you're, I mean, people get too sensitive. You, you're making a point. I love when you whites fight. Keep going, please. Well, there's not <laughs> a lot of real white people. And I didn't mean to say, now I'm thinking like, I, and I didn't mean to say anything. I'm just saying like every, every group has their Achilles heel, their statistical Achilles heel of the things that somebody points to if they want to put them in a bad light. And, and often they're true. But when you bring it up, but I didn't bring it up. Somebody else brought it up. Somebody else brought it up and was like, look, they're doing this good thing. And it's like, well, they're doing this good thing after they've been in the news for the past month doing this very bad thing. And frankly, it gives Jews a bad name. 
Well, you know, I think um, what Norma trying to say is it's not 100% of the Jews. So it's like a group of them, but that doesn't represent all the Jews. You know, that, well, you know, that makes sense. It's like, yeah, this group of uh, Jewish people were doing this so-called bad thing, but then, but that does not represent all the Jews. So when you say, I wish they would stay home, uh, a simple fix was, well, go tell that group that came out that's doing this bad thing to, to keep their asses at home as opposed to they all should keep their asses at home. Look, I'll, I'll say this about, we Jews suffer from something that, that I know I know blacks suffer from it and probably Asians suffer from it too, is that- Police shootings? Uh, <laughs> that we, we, um, we get uncomfortable when, when somebody airs our dirty laundry in public. And um, so the things that, you know, you and I might say to each other, many Jews will, like I used to tell this story about the time when the rabbi tried to molest me one time. This is a true story. He didn't molest me, but he tried to molest me. And I got so many horrified Jews, like just furious with me that I would tell this story public. Like, why would you publicly tell this story about a rabbi doing something disgusting, you know? So, and so, you know, that's, that's human nature, I guess. But uh, I, I, I will tell anybody you are not anti Wait, 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 no. You know, you know Larry David, def- I mean, uh, was it Larry David? No, uh, who defines, I think it's Larry David defined anti-Semitism as hatred of Jews more than is appropriate. Wait, no, what was the point of your molestation story? <laughs> more than we deserve. What's that? What was the point of your molestation story? You just started and just ended, like, what happened? Well, well, that's a story for another day. Uh, we we uh, were it's running a bedtime a- story. It, it, to, to be very quick about it, I, I was being tutored for my bar mitzvah, and the rabbi tried to get my, my father. My parents left the house, and um, the rabbi tried to take my pants down and show me where I was circumcised. Wait, wait, wait! How old were you? Uh, Twelve. Twelve. So, did you know what he was doing when he tried to take your pants down? You had no idea. I had no idea, but I was, but, but for some reason, I, I didn't want to do it. I was did shy. You have an ere- did you have an erection? Maybe that's why I was embarrassed, but I, I didn't, I had, I had, um, it's really had no idea. Really it not, it was, in those days, it was not on our radar uh, that someone would try to molest you. We just, we, that was not something we thought of. It, it never entered in my mind that this guy was doing anything wrong. Or, or anything like that. I was just shy, and I was like, I, I and I, I certainly have nothing to, you know, to be proud of down there, from what I understand. But um, in any case, let that sit there. Um, that is awful. Do you know how many kids that rabbi probably molested? Chai is my guess. Uh, I probably answer three. Well, um, uh, well, let's face it, so wait, how did you get away, Noam? If he's molesting Noam, imagine what he would have done. No, so I didn't do it. And then he, then um, he, he, we went on with the lesson and he, my father came home and I told him the story. And, and, and my father says to me, next time you hit him with your purse. That's what he said to me. You serious? I swear to God. Really? Which I guess was my father. My, and then he called the, the synagogue and he told, I mean, he, then he complained. Like he, knew, he knew exactly what was going on. I guess he made a joke out of it, not knowing what to say, not wanting to alarm me or something. I, I don't know how to process it, but it certainly because it wasn't because he took it lightly, but that is what he said. He him, did you laugh or did you not, were you confused? Um, I laughed. I, I, it's so, so long you, ago. You knew it was a joke. I know it was a joke. I'm not sure exactly how I interpreted the joke, but like I say, the idea that, 
that adults would even, that there was such a thing as molestation of children was, was totally not on my radar. I never had that. So I didn't, I couldn't have but understand it. Fairness to this guy, he, you didn't know that he was going to molest you. He could have been just taking a pants down just to see if you were circumcised or not. So th there's no real proof that he was going well, to molest you. You want to I confirm his Jewish I identity? Well, right? this was not Jesse Smollett, all right? I'm telling you, <laughs> I know, I know. And his Juicy Smollett, according to Dave Chappelle. He took me up to my, I got, he took me up to my bedroom. He made me lie down on the bed. He started to unbuckle my pants. And at that point, I, I actually don't remember what happened. <laughs> no, at that point, I stopped him. And um, yeah, this, it's clear what he was up to. Did you continue <laughs> studying with this guy the following week? or did, was it, Yes, no, no, I went no, back no. numerous times. That Wait, was it. So your dad called the temple, and then what happened? Uh, I, don't, I never, that I don't remember. I never saw the guy again. No, I'm, he was the, you know, I'm hired. I still miss him. Olive tree. That was the first Come minute. to find out he was not Jewish at all. He was Catholic. No, he, was, he was Jewish. So anyway, so like that's the kind of story. If you tell that in public, people will accuse you of anti-Semitism. We are in public. No, I, <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, I think we should go. I got to do the, the commie. So Dan, why did you why did you and Ray join me on the commie seller show after this? And Will. I, Ray, I, Ray has a, uh, a Zoom <laughs> meeting with some friends that he, he convened. Yeah. Just oh, say yeah. no, Dan. Just say no. You want to do it, Will? We got um, Jay McBride. Emma Wilman and Mike Fenoya. Uh, yeah, I think I could do it. All right, I'll, I'll send you the, the link. I'll tell Liz to send Will the link. All right, so podcast at comedyseller.com. No, have, you haven't, has nobody been writing in? Because you haven't been forwarding any emails lately, and it's hard to believe nobody's written in for two months. Written what? I'll writing nothing, nothing, nothing. I got somebody wrote in for something, that, but didn't wasn't like a criticism of the show or somebody. Somebody wanted to know where the old Louis C.K. interview of, you know, Melina Rizik was, that kind of thing. Anyway, um, comedy seller, podcast at ComedySeller.com. Also, Periel's books are still available online. Um, Eat My Bush and Down on My Knees. Or Everybody who's watching, jump onto the Comedy Seller. We're going to go to part two of Noel's Molestation. P Peter, where's your, where's your <laughs> pharmacy? not live, Will. Uh, I, I oh. don't have them. I teach at uh, Long Island University at LIU in Brooklyn. Okay. So I'm kind of like semi-retired right no now. No longer but practicing farming. Ready to get back into the scene. And Is your that? license revoked again? <laughs> and everybody, please give a good night, everybody. Good night, good night, good night. Support Thank you, pharmacists. That was great. That really got great. Yeah, and actually, I wanted to do a quick plug too. We started oh. a Facebook groups page for New York. It's NYCOVID19, like one nine, and you can go there. It's public to get, you know, information on COVID nineteen. And after you get information about COVID-19, donate what you can to supportcomedians.org. Can I do a quick plug? Yeah, of course. GoFundMe.com slash I am Maurice for my film. Say it again, because no, I just to make sure people got it. Oh, GoFundMe.com slash I am Maurice. Okay, everybody. We'll see you next time. Nice meeting you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Nice, you. Bye. Nice, you. Bye. nice meeting you guys. Thank you. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Thank you.